choose someone's DNA that's like not someone I would hang out with, you know? You're technically like inviting a stranger into what is typically like a very intimate, intimate yeah. um, endeavor, right? Welcome to the Unapparent Podcast, the place that delivers deeply human stories about the unapparent truths of parenting. My name is Katia Reyero Lindor, and I am your host. Join us as we debunk myths surrounding parenthood and provide an empathetic, judgment-free space for parents and parents to be. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Unapparent Podcast. Today, we're joined by Leslie and Megan. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, they will tell you a little bit more about themselves. I'll let them do that. Um, but they are obviously parents. That's why they're on my podcast today. Um, and so I would just like for them to share a little bit about their, their parenting journey. But um, before we go into all of that, please... Um, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Yeah, um, so I'm Megan. I am a recent law school graduate um, and I'm currently working at the Santa Clara Public Defender's Office, anxiously awaiting my bar results <laughs> so I can hopefully be a bar attorney soon, an actual public defender. Uh, but I previously had a career in uh, foreign policy and human rights um, and have now made a pivot to criminal law and civil rights in, in my legal career. Um, I uh, love uh, all things queer media and uh, spreadsheets. <laughs> I can attest to the spreadsheets. <clears throat> um, my name is Leslie. I am currently uh, a acute care nurse practitioner, pediatric nurse practitioner, um, and I currently work in the PICU at Stanford's Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. Um, before that, I was a bedside nurse, uh, also in the PICU at the Children's Hospital in Columbia, at Columbia in New York. Um, and so I've been in critical care, peds critical care for a decade, which seems like forever. Um, but uh, my other sort of like, out of work interests are um i really like making things so i'm super big into like building furniture and like currently my newest obsession is crocheting <laughs> uh so uh you will find me on the couch many an evening crocheting <laughs> usually while i'm playing video games yeah. so leslie has a lot more sophisticated hobbies than i do <laughs> um but we've been together for 16 years we've been married for 12. uh we live in san jose california with our seven month old jane um, and we love, uh, together, we really love just being outdoors, mm -hmm. um, and international travel and road trips. Awesome. You guys sound like just so interesting. <laughs> um, all of your, all of your background. Um, and I met, um, Megan, a little background on how, uh, how we met, um, through my cousin, Leanna, who, um, went to law school with Megan at Stanford. So shout out Leanna yeah. for this intro. Um, but I've, I've recently also um, seen them both and, and met little Jane, um, who is the cutest thing. So um, yeah, uh, you recently graduated from law school, which um, having a baby during that time, um, walk us a little bit through that. Um, Leslie carried Jane, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you didn't go through the pregnancy aspect of it, but you were definitely a new parent with a new baby during this last year of law school. Um, how was that for, for both of you? You know, maybe Megan walk us through that first, and then Leslie can give her point of view. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I mean, Leslie did all the hard work, right? So I can't, um, but it was, uh, I'm like zero out of 10 recommend. Oh yeah. <laughs> in your <laughs> final year of law school and having a baby. Um, and, uh, and then like doing bar prep thing after, um, so it was definitely tough to juggle, you know, because I didn't have a job. I didn't get leave really. I got two weeks, um, which wasn't even like official. I was just like emailed all my professors and I was like, I'm not coming to class for two weeks. Um, and then after that, it was um, it was tough just because I couldn't be here all the time for Leslie um, and, and, and Jane, obviously. I, I definitely wish that I would have had more time to just be around and do all of the things while Leslie was trying to figure out breastfeeding and pumping and all of that. So I definitely felt a lot of guilt about that. Um, but also just like felt like it was something we needed to get through. Um, and then like into the bar prep phase as well was actually a lot more intense than law school. Um, and that was when stuff I think like really, really fell on Leslie, which I think she can probably talk about. Um, and she really, really, really just like held up our family for, for the couple months that that lasted. Um, so it was definitely tough to juggle. Um, but well, we made it through. Yeah. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> but a lot of guilt on my end, I think. Um, and, uh, a, a messy house. I think you just yeah. really just had to like, I had to get over that, which yeah. was also really tough for me. Actually, it was really tough to just like leave dishes in the sink and not vacuum. And, you know, so do you consider yourself, um, type A or it just an organized house you sort of part of yes you. she's very type A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not, yeah I re I really really like our house to be clean but it's not just mm -hmm. I can like concentrate better and be more productive when things are clean when they're not it's very hard for me to like get other things done when I know there are things in the house that aren't like that that makes sense they 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 say like if you know uh, it's a reflection of what's in your mental state and like yeah. if there's a mess like in your house your mind is a little bit like that too um i have adhd which i came to find out after becoming a parent <laughs> really hard time to really like diagnose actually it was a self-diagnosis and then my therapist sort of was like no yeah you're yeah. <laughs> it's definitely um, but yeah, I mean, I can imagine for someone type A, I'm not type A in the slightest, um, and it's still sometimes overwhelming to just see a mess and I'm like, oh, I don't know where to start, you know, yeah. but I can imagine how much harder that is for someone who really cannot deal with messiness because children, mm -hmm. toddlers, babies, it's messy. It really is. And sometimes you just have to learn to live in the chaos and accept it. And I know it's harder for some people than for others. Definitely. That's been a huge, that's been a huge struggle. It's a little easier for me. I'm like type A at work, but like very much so not in my own personal life. And so like I can tolerate the the messiness, I think, better than Megan can. Um, so that's been like a little bit of a learning curve for her. But like as far as like law school, that whole experience and like the bar, I feel like, um, you know, I don't think that law school was that bad. I think that it was the bar prep was the bad part because it was, I think you were so stressed about your studying time and you were so worried about, um, you know, what the, what if of like, you ever had to study for the bar again, like which, not wanting to do that, which maybe we should just stop and just explain for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. So like once you, once you graduate mm -hmm. law school, you have to take a bar exam in order to actually be a practicing attorney and the bar exam is at the end of July and I graduated like mid June. And so 
the time in between there is just like nonstop 12 hours a day, at least studying for this like massive two day exam that determines whether or not you get to be a practicing attorney. Yeah. Um, and I don't have my results yet. You don't get them until November. So, which is also, that's awful. been super fun. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just yeah, want to no. make it clear so that people are two separate things. Yeah. yeah. But I think that we were really lucky in that um, we had our parents, I think your mom and your daddy, that mom and my parents and my sisters, like they all came and like, were very helpful during that time. So I think that they helped us get through that, but we were, we didn't have any visitors for the first month after Jane was born, um, which I, I kind of liked. I think it helped us like figure out this whole thing of being parents. And I kind of appreciated having a little bit more privacy while trying to figure out like breastfeeding and pumping and all that because that's something I really struggled with um initially after Jane was born <clears throat> but I I think that I it was less than ideal but like we got through it I think it, it was okay you, you get through it because you have to right um I think that everybody's circumstances are not perfect uh whenever you have kids it's just it's hard no matter what yeah yeah no that's absolutely right and there's I think just no um, perfect time to have a child or not because it's going to interrupt your lives in every way, you know, and it doesn't have to be a bad interruption. It's just the way it yeah, is, yeah. right? It's going to change the way that you've been living life yeah. drastically. So that is a given. Um, and so the fact that you guys went through this during such a challenging time for, you know, for Megan, it also was challenging for, for Leslie because yeah. it's just yeah. you're both going through this together, you know, and um, this little one is so adorable. What she wants right now, <laughs> um, yeah. So my parents are both attorneys and they always told me that if and they, you know, went through the bar. I think my mom got pregnant with my sister like right during the bar. But, you know, it was she, she didn't have a kid yet, yeah. but. They did say that had they not been doing the same thing, they wouldn't have understood each other's life for those months because it's just nonstop studying. And they're like, they know they have a lot of friends they went to um, law school with whom whose relationships just kind of went kaput yeah. during those months. Because yeah. if you're not doing, you don't, it's hard to really understand and grasp if you're not like living through it. Um, so I know that a lot of that weight also fell on Leslie to kind of just keep shit in order you know, and and take on the the burden almost single-handedly for those for those few you know months so yeah. to both of you that's been a great feat that you've achieved and so I commend you on that yeah, thank you I'm glad it's over yeah <laughs> I think the thing is is it's not it's I knew that it's not like you were just going a away and like having fun it's not like you were in this yeah. office every day for 12 hours like watching YouTube videos. I knew that's not what was happening. I knew that, I think that we have established a level of trust in our relationship for yeah. me to know that she's not leaving me to take care of all this stuff on my own because she wants to. And I know that she, of course, wants to spend more time with our daughter, but she can't. So I feel like I, I, I didn't, it was really hard. And did I enjoy it? No, absolutely not. But I feel like I knew that it was all 
that you didn't want to be doing that. And it was all like in service of like our greater sort of journey through life of like, this was the next step we needed to take. And we just had to get through it, you know? And I think in general, parenting is, a, is I just have to assume, is a lot easier or smoother when you do have that kind of trust in your partner that like when they're not there, it means it's just because the other thing they're doing is like so essential to like furthering your life and your goals, yeah. as Leslie said, that I think like having that level of trust has been really good and not, you know, when one of us, you know, when like Leslie went back to work or like she has something going on that then I have to pick up extra slack and vice versa that like we have the trust that's there to just be like, okay, I got this now. You'll get it next time. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Yeah, that what what you said about trust is huge, and and I can you know I've I've lived through um, phases where it's been harder than others because I have been in a position where I've had to really um, hone in on 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 that aspect of trusting. Right, my partner. I have a partner who travels every other week for work, yeah. you know, and it's gone a week at a, at a, during baseball season, right? It's, that's how it is. He's gone currently. So he's away a week, comes home a week, is away a week, comes home a week for six months out of the year. Um, and so kind of knowing that he would prefer to be home with us is, um, comforting and it doesn't take away how hard it is when he's gone. Um, but knowing that he's not just out, you know, partying because he feels like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's working. Yeah, like it's it's work and it's, yeah. right, it's necessary for um, our way of life, let's say, yeah. like that, you know. Um, and so um, having given birth to our first in the off season was a blessing because we were able to do this parenting thing together and learn together, you know, because we were both first-time parents. Um but then Amapola was born during season, and I had to pick up the slack a lot. You know, um, not only did I carry her and birth her, he was uh, I was able to give birth with him in New York, um, so he was there for that, which was the main thing I wanted. Mm -hmm. But he left the next day um, mm -hmm. on a road trip, and so had it been invert where I inversed where I had had my first during the season, I think that would have been so much yeah. harder because. Your, uh, my postpartum hormones were just all over the place and I like everything about it everything annoyed me you know like if he was out of the house for like four hours I'd be like why aren't you here like going yeah. through this with me you know and it, I was like in such a crappy mood all the time and it was just a big transition right going yeah. from zero to one was much bigger of a transition for me than going from one to two right because obviously it's something you'd never done before yeah, yeah. and like you didn't know in how many ways your life is going to change, right? Like you could maybe intellectualize it, but then going through it is completely, completely different. different um, yeah. So um, I feel that too, to where um, I've had to do a lot more with the second one um, on my own um, because we've been, we're in season um, and just trusting and knowing that, you know, he would, he would love to be with us, but he's working yeah. is, is, is huge, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I get that for sure. Um, and um, Leslie, you were an, a nurse, right? A nurse practitioner. So how has um, your career been affected by um, this uh, new little child um, in your life? Well, you know, uh, I think that, so my area where I work is special in that um, I feel like pediatric critical care and like working in an ICU it's like a little window into a world that a lot of people don't get to see. And I, 
unfortunately, like, uh, witness a lot of tragedy, like every day at work. And it's just a part of the population. And it's inevitable. I also get to see so many great things happen and like a lot of joy and like, getting families through really difficult situations and things like that. Um, So it's, I feel like I always uh, appreciated the sort of difficult circumstances that families were in or the painful situations that these parents were going through. They're having a sick child and things like that. But it's definitely felt different going back to work. Um, after having a child of my own, like I still appreciate the tragedy of so many of these situations that I encounter, but there is just something so much more visceral about it. And I don't know that I, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I obviously always had a lot of compassion for these families when I was working with them before, but there's just, I do feel like it feels different now. And I, um, I would hope that that means that I can be there for them in a different way, in a uh, more, in a deeper way than I have been able to be before. Um, As far as like the sort of logistical things of working, like I work really long hours. And so it is really difficult. uh, Like I will easily work a 13, 14 hour day sometimes. Um, It's never less than 12, but it can be like up to like 14, sometimes 15, depending what's going on. So sometimes Leslie will leave first thing in the morning and Jane isn't awake yet. And so Leslie leaves and then I, our nanny will come and then we, and then I go to work and then I come home and relieve the nanny. And then I do all of Jane's nighttime stuff and then put her to bed before Leslie gets home. So she's asleep when I get home. Sometimes she'll have like a full day where she doesn't see her. And if I work like three or four days in a row, like I just will not see her awake for three or four days. And that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I'm able to get home before she's asleep, but. And sometimes I'll just keep her up just so Leslie can see her. But that part of it is really hard. And um, there's not really much that I can do to change that. It's just the way that the work is. Um, But that being said, I only work three days a week. So there are, I get to stay home with her for like, you know, three or four days a week sometimes, depending on what my schedule is. So that's really nice. So um, do you choose what days a week um, you work or it's kind of like on what they tell you at the hospital? Um, It's not necessarily a set schedule. Um, I have been able to work out so that I never work Thursday or Friday. um, And that sort of aligns with our nanny situation, with our childcare situation. But um, it kind of is rotating. I'll work weekends. I have to work some nights. Like I have to work, you know whatever the unit needs at that time. So like my first five weeks in my new job, Leslie worked every single weekend. Yeah. And so I was with Jane alone on the weekends, which is like fine, but it's like a lot of weekends in a row after coming off five day work weeks. So I just like did not have a single day (laughs) where it was. And so that's why it's like, you know, tables turned a little bit and (laughs) I got to make up a little bit for all that I, you know, um, wasn't able to do over the summer. So yeah. Um, and I don't want this to come off as like uh, too much of a personal question, but um, was there any debate about who would um, carry Jane or did you always know it would be um, oh, no. Leslie? No real debate. We yeah. always, we always yeah. knew it would be me. It's something I've always okay. wanted and it's something okay. that I haven't really ever. Um, I also have some health issues. I have a pretty severe back problem. Um, so like at a pretty young age after I had my second back surgery, my doctor was like, 
if you ever want to get pregnant, it's probably going to be really, really hard on your body. So like you should really talk to a lot of doctors before, you know, doing that. And so, so I think I, I had it in my head from a young age and I also, it just wasn't something I like desperately wanted to do. So it was really a matter of Leslie carrying if, you know, as long as everything was okay and she could, or we considered adopting as well, um, which we would have done if Leslie would have been, you know, unable to carry or if something wouldn't have worked out, but I really wanted to. So I wanted to ask a question about um, conception, um, how that was for you guys. Um, so if you don't mind talking about that process a little for our listeners. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it started with just deciding whether or not we wanted to adopt or whether, you know, everything was fine if Leslie was able to carry, which is what we wanted um, and and everything. So basically started with like Leslie just getting checked out by a doctor, making sure everything is all good. And then we had to find a donor. Um, we didn't want to use someone that we knew. So we wanted an anonymous donor. So we went through a, a sperm bank um, to find someone. And I'm half Indian. Um, and so we really wanted, since we were going to use Leslie's egg and she yeah. was carrying, we wanted to find an Indian donor. Um, and then, which really narrows the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was really our only like criteria that we had when we were looking. Um, so I think that we were really open to a lot of different possibilities, except yeah. we wanted somebody who was Indian or potentially half Indian, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so cool. I think, um, so yeah, so we started there and then you can just kind of look at every kind of sperm bank is different, but you can look um, at all types of information about yeah. them. Like they will, they'll write their own bio and there's like, of course, a lot of genetic information. Mm -hmm. um, and so before like actually going with a specific donor, we each got DNA like genetically tested. And so we could cross-reference with the donor to make sure there would be no issues later. Um, and then we kind of just went on personality actually, yeah. which I think people are really surprised by. They think that you go into like, and it's like online dating and you like go into this room bank yeah. and you're like, I want someone that's five foot 10 with green eyes. And like, but like some people do do that. And some people do, do some, that. For some people that's really important to them because if they're using like they're, they're trying to find somebody that looks like their partner or something, which yeah. is kind of what we did because we were looking for somebody who was Indian. Yeah. But that's really important to some people, but that just wasn't important to us. We kind of wanted to find somebody that we're like, we would be friends with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what we went into it. Um, um, I just kind of followed our gut about it, really. But the whole thing is obviously wildly subjective. And actually, the very first profile that we ever read yeah. was the one we ended up going with. Yeah. We it took us a long time to choose, but it was like the very it ended up being the very first one because Leslie read it first and she was like, This person sounds like you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and so, yeah, so, so that's, so yeah, so we went with yeah. it. Um, and so that was kind of the, the donor process. And then basically you, you buy a certain, so basically every time we, we did IUI, which is intrauterine insemination. So we didn't have to do IVF. Um, and so we bought, um, each, basically you buy them by vials, um, <laughs> For your listeners, everyone be prepared to drain your savings because the vials are like a grand yeah. <laughs> each vial. Yeah. And so we bought eight vials because if we do have a second, which is still a question, um, but if we do have a second, then there'll be, um, even, even if we were to use my egg for the second, which is a, a question like what we might do, um, then our kids would still be like biologically connected because it would be the same donor. And so... And they say that on average, it takes four tries. Um, so for like, so we bought, 
So we bought eight vials as a result. Um, and so bought eight vials and then uh, moved forward. And then we found a fertility specialist and and then started doing intrauterine insemination. I was really and, lucky it didn't take long. I think we had two tries. Yeah. And we get pregnant. Yeah. I'm really, really lucky. There is also just for reference for any other listeners who are sort of interested there is this thing called reciprocal IVF that you can do that a lot of um same-sex female couples will do um where you can basically like we could fertilize one of Megan's eggs and I could carry it or vice versa which is what I was Um, referring to which is what she was talking about potentially using her eggs for the next one but that is something that is um kind of somewhat popular within um like the queer community, the queer community. also um, much more expensive though. yeah it's much more expensive because i was yeah. gonna ask yeah um and those things aren't necessarily covered by insurance um but just to put it out there that's a possibility um yeah. and if you don't mind me asking how um old are you guys oh yeah good question yeah. i'm 37 i got pregnant when i was 36 and had jane when i was 37 and i just turned 34 Okay. Yeah, that's I think also like a very popular like oh we're not in our you know like <laughs> early thirties people I my friends are already like freaking out because they don't have kids because they're like oh my god I'm thirty and it's like whoa I think you know people who are thirty seven are still very young but in the, in the world of you know birthing babies it's like already a geriatric pregnancy um, right yeah, so it's horrible wild term. yeah it no, is it's wild that that, that is. <laughs> Probably, probably that my argument is that they probably tested very few women because obviously women's health is not a priority in the medical mm-hmm. field. So yeah. it's like, who? What was this average person that you were testing? Like, how many women did you actually test to come up with like this geriatric term? Anyway, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but it seems very unfair that that is the the age at which like I think 34 is already considered geriatric. It's yeah, like, I say it's, it's wild. 34, 35, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Um, and the fact that you guys chose based on personalities, I mean, I, I think that was, that's really cool and funny because you want to, the odds that you like your child, <laughs> you know, you're going to love your child, but do we like them? Do we have similar, you know, personalities or, or our sense of humor at least? Yeah. That's, that's funny. I have a friend who has a fully biological, you know, like child and she's like, I cannot relate to him at all. <laughs> so it's funny because it's like, she, she's your kid. I mean, he's your kid, but still, I, I found that pretty yeah. funny. Um, okay. Think about it in the way that was like, oh, if this person is cool, then genetically, like, our child might be more cool. Yeah, it was almost just like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to choose someone's, like, I don't want to choose someone's DNA that's, like, not someone I would hang out with, you know? Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Does it? I don't know. You're technically, like, inviting a stranger into what is typically like a very intimate intimate yeah um endeavor right and so you're like i want them to be cool i don't want to i want to like them yeah. <laughs> you know yeah that makes sense to me yeah. so um thank you for for answering that yeah question. of course <laughs> and so in the process of, of finding a, a nanny did was that hard for you guys to like find the right fit for you um, oh yeah, our finding a nanny was was tough. Mostly it was tough because I think 
in general, finding a nanny is tough, but yeah. because our schedule is so specific and we really only needed a nanny for three days mm-hmm. and nannies, especially in the Bay area are just so expensive. Um, and we consider daycare as well. Like it wasn't even just, it was just childcare yeah. in general is so expensive, but most daycares aren't very flexible and we didn't need five days, but would have to still like pay for five days. Mm-hmm. And so it was this whole back and forth. We found a nanny who then like, we were like day we were going to sign the contract. She was like, Oh, I'm going to go with this other family who's like going to pay me more. And it's we're like an like, emotional roller coaster. Such an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> we're like, okay. So then we found another one and then she started and she was with us for uh, five weeks and she was taking night classes and we found out. Um, then she told us after she hadn't said anything the first like several weeks. And she was like, I haven't, I haven't been getting to class on time because I have to stay here till five 30 and I've been late every day and my grades are starting to take a hit. And so she was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to leave. So we just lost our nanny last week. And we now have found this wonderful um, in-home like daycare situation uh, with this one woman who just has three, two other children in addition to Jane. And we're going to start with her in a week. Yeah. Um, But it's hard because you get hard. I feel like we get emotionally attached. They get attached to Jane. Jane gets attached to them. It's just like. It's hard. And it's like, you're leaving your child with this person. Like you want to make sure it's somebody you feel really good about. And it's hard to find that. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. we've, we've done okay so far, but yeah, I'm happy with where we've landed, but it's definitely been a roller coaster. And I yeah. think I've had a harder time with it than I thought I would. Um, just because yeah, you're like leaving your child with basically yeah. a stranger for, you know, when it first starts, like they're a stranger to you. Yeah. And so it's definitely been a strange um, it's the one thing about, we live on the, the West coast and all of our family is on the East coast, except my brother lives in LA. But so it has been like challenging yeah. to not have family nearby, to be able to like rely on. Yeah. I sort of wish we had that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, having family close is huge. Yeah. I mean, I have my sister who, um, currently lives with me, right. Which is huge. Yeah. Um, and I <laughs> coerce my parents to come visit as often as possible because yeah. <laughs> they haven't fully retired. They're still attorneys in Puerto Rico, but, um, I'm like retirement, like come <laughs> be with your grandchildren. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you don't have family. Cause that's something I, I wanted to also touch upon because, you know, I don't have a, a nanny um, yet because I have my sister. Um, and it's always a topic that stresses me out because, as you said, finding uh, essentially a stranger that's going to take care of your child. It's like you don't – I mean, I don't trust people that easily, right? And especially with your own children. It's who's going to take care of them the way you do? Nobody, right? But how do you go about that? Um, and it's not necessarily um, something – I think people that aren't going through it or haven't been through it, it sounds easy. Like, Oh, just find a nanny. Like do, go do your thing. It's like, mm, not that easy. You know, like finding a nanny is not like plucking someone off of like a, Oh, this person here, take care of my yes. child. It's, it's so much more complex than that. And so much more, uh, emotional turmoil goes, goes into that because I mean, I can imagine the stress I would be in knowing I'm leaving my child with someone I'm, you know, maybe a new nanny that I don't know how good they are, how my child is with them, vice versa. So yeah, hearing you guys, perspective on that is I think important also for listeners who are planning on having nannies or don't have nannies or have friends you know maybe they, I have I've been told recently a lot of non-parents listen to my podcast which is you know yeah. um, I'm honored <laughs> but also you know if you're planning on having you know kids at some point and I want to go the nanny route um what what suggestions or you know what would you advice you could give on that I think that we I think like just two things for me, which is one, 
really consider that like in addition to having to like, of course, being responsible for your child, they're also in your house. So, I mean, in most cases, if you're dropping them off somewhere, that's different. But like, if you're having a nanny come to your house, like something I didn't quite anticipate is like the amount of pressure that I would feel every Sunday night to clean my house before my nanny. <laughs> and so yeah. it's like, we like vacuum and mop every single Sunday because our nanny is going to be here and we like make sure all the dishes are done. And like everything is clean and I like clean the bathroom. And I, again, we clean a lot anyways, but all of a sudden there's like this extra pressure that I didn't really account for. So I think like being aware of that. Um, but then also I think just like having a really good interview process. I think yeah. We asked a lot of questions about like their communication style with parents and like their own preferences. So we know like how and, and how open they are to like changing things. And like, I think just like every fear or concern that you have, figure out a way to like ask that in a question that's like, you know, maybe in like a more kind of like chill way, um, then then you can get a lot of information from people and not being too afraid to ask whatever questions you want answered of their references. Like, yeah. I would definitely never hire a nanny without like calling other references of, of people that they've you know worked with in the past. And I think, I think also like kind of tying into that is that nannies is like, they're like a huge network. So like every yeah. nanny in the area knows every other nanny who knows all of these other parents. Like, I feel like if you're trying to find someone, just like ask other parents and they'll ask their nannies or they have like, oh, well, this person worked for us five years ago. Maybe they're available. Let me text them. It's like all like a network. Um, and so sometimes the easiest way to find somebody really great is to get like a personal reference from somebody, you know, or from another nanny. You know. And I, I that's like what had, is how that's we how found gotten, basically all of them. Uh, yeah. All of them. So it's really helpful to just like, just talk to your friends and that's how I that's how I try to find most people most professionals like doctors Mm -hmm. and like I like going off of personal recommendations because I'm sure there's a long list of people you could choose from like reading for about them on paper but having someone's you know one-on-one account of of them in person is is huge I think especially people you trust friends or family who are recommending them that's that's definitely um huge so thanks yeah I mean (laughs) I'm like asking for others, but also making mental notes if I ever have to go through this process. Stresses me out to think about going through like interview yeah. processes. And I'm like, happy to send you our I'm, interview questions template. Oh, yeah. Okay. I will accept that <laughs> because I'm also, I don't want to like offend anyone. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm really sometimes I mean too too shy I mean when it comes to kids it's like you get over because they're they're more important right sometimes I'm a little shy and I'm like how do I ask you know like this question without like offending the person right um but yeah I definitely would will accept that from you (laughs) (laughs) thank you um so okay this is one um one question I wanted to ask or I don't know let's see how I phrase this so in um heterosexual relationships like my husband and I right the it's like unintentionally there is very um we have very gendered roles right he works and I they say a home mom um I'm very much a feminist and like don't don't think that that has to be the way that is that's just the way our situation is right um and it's um I guess my question is how your roles have developed as as parents and now that you both work obviously there's one as a gestational parent one's not but um both of you are in back back in the workforce um and i know i 
would feel disparity with like you know the the man doesn't feel the dad guilt that like the mom feels right mm -hmm. um typically i don't want to generalize but m most often i ask i ask men and you know who are dads like do you feel dad guilt and they're usually like what's that you know and moms <laughs> moms 100 percent know what i'm talking about about the mom guilt you know having to go to work or go do whatever it is and leave you know their kids behind etc um so um just interested in hearing both of your perspectives on you know mom guilt or any of what i've just said so i feel like you had more mom guilt than yeah i feel like i have had some mom guilt um I think that, you know, I was able, I was very fortunate and was able to have a five month maternity leave, which is like far more than so many people are able to get, um, partially because California has like great, like state covered, uh, parental bonding time. And so that was really helpful. Um, but I, so I think that being able to be home with Jane for so long, I think helped alleviate some of that mom guilt with going back to work. I think I was like ready to go back to work at that point. Um, but there's definitely been a part of me, like during all of our nanny searches of like, I wish I could stay home with her. And I do think that there is some amount of guilt to that. I think that there, I am still, um, exclusively pumping and pumping at work is really hard. Um, especially like in the environment that I work in. And so I think that one of the reasons that I'm still so dedicated to pumping at work is probably because of mom guilt. Like. And I, um, I don't know that I would change what I'm doing because of that, but like acknowledging that like, it's really hard. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons I'm still doing it. So I think that I definitely experience mom guilt still. I don't, I, I do believe that I'm a better mom by having, <clears throat> by doing things that are important to me and to like developing myself as a person and like having a career and, and being able to provide, therefore being able to provide things for Jane that I wouldn't necessarily be able to if I wasn't like a working mom uh, or focusing on myself. Because, but because my salary is not cutting it. <laughs> you just you just graduated, honey. It's okay. <laughs> um, but you know, I definitely it's definitely hard. I certainly feel mom guilt. Yeah, and I I think that. I mean, I actually, I leaned to Leslie and I said, I feel like you've experienced, or you, you have had more mom guilt than me. And actually, I don't think that's true. I think it's been different because I think some of Leslie's is around pumping and breastfeeding and yeah. things like that, that I just do not experience. But I had a huge amount of mom guilt when I was studying for the bar because it was just like time that I was away from her, but I could hear her because I'm in this office and my parents are like out there with her and I can, and I would go out, I would try and go out like once an hour just to like see her face and give her a smile and a hug and a snuggle or, you know, whatever. Um, but it was, I think like I did have some pretty intense guilt, but I also had guilt, like partner guilt because I wasn't being there for Leslie. And like, I think sometimes it gets lost a little bit after the initial, you know, there's like the first couple of months, obviously like you two can speak to this so much more than me, but it, like the first couple of months, you're like actually physically recovering and all of the things. But then like after that, your body, if you're, if you're pumping or you're breastfeeding, or even if you're not doing either of those things, your body is recovering for months. And so yeah. like, all I wanted to do is just be able to like wait on Leslie hand and foot and, you know, give her foot massages every night. And that just like, wasn't an option. And I think I felt a lot of guilt, honestly, about that, like just as much guilt about being a, like a bad partner that then like, in addition to like being a, a bad, you know, quote unquote, bad mother.
Yeah, um, partner guilt. I, you know, I think I don't think I've, I've ever used the term, but that's very valid, very real. Um, and um, actually, I think that's something that my husband could probably relate to a little more than dad guilt, because I think, um, at least in our case, he knows that the babies are being taken care of by their mother, right? Yeah. So it's like, the kind of thing where we're not leaving them, you know, um, at the, you know, at day one and he's not you know so it's i think the fact that psychologically and it's just sort of the way like society um <laughs> grooms up to think that yeah they're with the mom they're fine and dads don't feel the guilt about mm -hmm. that but partner guilt i feel like i mean him knowing that how the postpartum stage the first time around was for me i think he was always checking up like how do you feel you know like yeah. like things that the first time around maybe he didn't know like to ask it's like you know how are your emotions today like should i should i be scared yes. or, you know but i think it was more so him feeling like he wanted to be there for me yeah. you know even if at a distance yeah. and make sure that i knew that um i could just you know vent with him if i needed to um which to be fair this postpartum stage has surprisingly to me been um easier i didn't go into the postpartum depression um that i did the first time around um despite not having him around as much you know um but yeah i like the term um not that i like that it exists yeah. but yeah. the fact that you did point out the partner guilt you know that is real and valid and i think a lot of um partners could probably relate to that um mm -hmm. Uh, or I, I, I know that, I'm like I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I hope. I hope we yeah. didn't. Uh, we didn't actually answer the gender roles part of your question, oh, which yeah. is oh, which is <laughs> like so guilty. We didn't even get there. Um, which I I think. Uh, well, do, would you like to? Um, yeah, they don't exist. I think like there are certain things as a result of like you know Leslie obviously has to pump, and that's something that I don't have to do. That has really nothing to do with gender as far as our relationship. That's just like gestational parent versus non-gestational. Yeah. Um, but so I think like in general, like division of labor has been a lot more determined by instead of like default gender roles, which is just like yeah. very easy, I think for anyone to slip into. It's more just like it's a matter of circumstance and like schedule. And like, as I mentioned earlier, for example, like just to give an example, I have a pretty severe back problem. And so if we're going to be out, like we went to the aquarium a couple weekends ago. And if it's a question of like, who's going to wear Jane for most of that time, it's going to be Leslie because like, she's stronger than I am and her back is stronger. And so, and then like, you know, when she's at work or, you know, I'm taking care of Jane and vice versa. And so it's, yeah. So it's a lot more about schedule um, and think, circumstance than anything else. I think that there is very much so like in a typical gender rolled sort of view of parenting, like there is a default parent and it is oftentimes moms and it is oftentimes therefore the gestational parent. And that just does not exist with us. Everything is like a conversation. I think it definitely existed when she was in school and studying for the bar. I was absolutely like default parent. But after those circumstances ended, I don't really feel like but again, that exists within our relationship with Jane. But again, even That's that right. was circumstantial though, because you yeah, had no. five months off and I had two weeks off. So that even that didn't really have anything to do. If you would have only gotten a month off and I got five months off, even if you carried it, you know, it just would have been, been switched. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been, um, yeah, I think like other than pumping and of course, like her own recovery for her own body and all of that stuff, like outside of that, right. it's been pretty, pretty even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's easy to, to obviously peg the differences when it's like purely, um, 
like biological like the woman gives birth and does all these things and the man just can't do that right but then when it comes to the actual parenting part of it it's both it's you know it's two people yeah, raising yeah. a child together you know regardless um and so as as you said about it being like circumstantial yeah um i think i think my husband does a really good job about when we're when he's not working you know he's a very on on hands um hands-on right that's the term hands-on that <laughs> Um, and the caring part, he is stronger than I am. So usually I'm just like, here, carry the, both children if you have to, because he's stronger than I am. So, um, he did put, you know, he, he puts them in like the pouch and carries them if, you know, if, if we're walking around somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, um, I think it's, it's definitely possible to de-gender roles um if you think about it more of like a partnership and like conversations as you say Mm -hmm. like you know what what feels you know good for both of us today you know maybe tomorrow is different but today what are what are each of our needs right um and um yeah it's hard um for for some lifestyles right like when he's not here (laughs) it's my job but um yeah um, so yeah, thank you for going into that. That's interesting um, to hear from a non-heterosexual couple because you know that's like the default what you hear about yeah. um, all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so I think we've covered a lot of what I. Um, oh, she has something to say now. She's like, wait, I have a question. What's up? You have a question. What's up? question about milk probably (laughs) question um okay so are you gonna let me finish yes well i want to thank you both for taking time and i know as it is you have limited time with um jane so i appreciate you taking out of your sunday to do this um so it was so lovely having you both thank you again so much um and you know can't wait to see um your bar results um no pressure (laughs) Um, but yeah, very good luck and, and thank you again, both of you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. This is awesome. (laughs) It was good to see you. Gracias. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Unapparent podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe as we release a new episode at least every month with an exciting new guest. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram for all the Unapparent content you never knew you needed.